We're rolling. Welcome to the House Dudes Podcast, where we invite you to follow us on our journey towards financial freedom using the power of real estate. I'm Jack Haas. And I'm Josh Koth. Here at House Dudes, we believe in a couple key principles. Number one, the best way to retain information is by teaching it to others. And number two, a rising tide lifts all boats. We're not competitors, we're a community. So let's get into some real estate investing. Well, we got Jason DeBono on the line here tonight, and Jason is a self-directed IRA expert. And this is going to be a great conversation because I think this is a topic that we don't visit often enough. And there's always a lot of questions around this, Jason, um, regarding what what even is a self-directed IRA. But to start things off, Jason, Jason is the president, vice president of New View Trust. And you can find out more information and his contact information at N-U-V-I-E-W-T-R-U-S-T.com. And then I also understand that New View Trust is pretty prominent and, and active on a lot of the social media networks. So you can look for them there as well, especially LinkedIn. But Jason, I really appreciate your time tonight. And let's uh, pull the curtain up on, on this uh, this foggy topic called self-directed IRAs. Well, thanks, Jack. Looking forward to it. So can we, I mean, let's pretend that uh, I don't, we don't know anything about self-directed IRAs. We probably should go like at the very beginning. Uh, let's, what is it? Like, let's, I mean, let's go bare bones here on this. Sure. I mean, taking it all the way down to, to its most basic point, a self-directed IRA is really two part. So first of all, it is an IRA just like an IRA today, right? So there's no uniqueness around the, the tool of an IRA. What makes a self-directed account unique is the fact that it's held at a custodian that doesn't have any sort of investment offering or any tie to any asset class. So it gives you the full spectrum of investment choices. So most IRAs are held at banks and brokerage firms. Well, they only allow you to invest into what's on their platform, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, publicly traded assets. At NewView, being that we're a third-party custodian without any sort of brokerage ties, we allow our accounts to be self-directed into anything outside the stock market. So our customers buy real estate, uh, issue private loans, invest in private equity, all with while maintaining the tax advantages that IRAs offer. Sure. You know, this is something that I think is kind of, uh, I don't know if it's hidden or it's just not as prominent in like what a lot of financial advisors would typically offer. Why, why would you say that this seems to be a very powerful tool and vehicle? Why would you, why is this like not as well known? Well, there's probably a lot of answers. I've been in this business for 15 years, and, and the, the good news is uh, it's a lot more known today than it was 15 years ago. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's still the, the vast majority of people don't know that it exists. I think the easiest way to answer that is, and again, a little bit of speculation, but, but a little bit of experience sprinkled in, that there's no incentive for the banks and brokerage firms or the advisors that represent those firms to offer you a product that they don't sell. I mean, it'd be like going to McDonald's, right? And kind of looking at the menu and going, gosh, really don't want a burger. I think I prefer a taco. 
you know, and, and someone behind the counter saying, oh, well, if you leave here, go out the road, there's a Taco Bell around the corner, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we would never expect that to happen. And it's kind of the same thing. The, the, the brokerage houses, the banks, the financial industry, they represent the publicly traded equity markets. And so there's no incentive, albeit financial or anything beyond that, for them to tell you to go somewhere else uh, unless you have a really clear indication of what you want to do and they know how to get you to what you want. Sure. So, you know, you mentioned that um, uh, the IRAs can be used for real estate and and private lending, that type of thing. Are there other aspects that other ways you can leverage it? And, And with that, on the flip side, are there ways that you really can't use it for? Yeah, this the, the IRS kind of, you know, polices this under what I call the toddler approach. And for those that have kids, uh, you'll you'll understand this. For those that don't, you'll get it when you do. Um, when I say it's the toddler approach, if you think about how we parent, no matter what parenting style you choose, we don't walk around with our, our toddlers and tell them, you can do that, you can do that, you can do that, right? We don't tell them everything they can do. We do the opposite, right? Don't do that, don't eat that, don't climb on that. And the idea behind it is because if we tell them that if we teach them the the much smaller list of things they can't do, they'll naturally learn and grow into the much larger list of things they can do. Mm-hmm. And the IRS really, from a code standpoint, tells us that to kind of treats us in that same toddler approach when it comes to limitations within an IRA. They don't actually say you can buy stocks, you can buy mutual funds, you can buy real estate. Instead, what they do is tell you, you cannot buy life insurance and you cannot buy collectibles. They're the only two asset classes prohibited. The other thing they tell us is that we cannot use the money for any personal gain or any personal gain by those by certain family members. They want us to invest this in a passive way for retirement. They don't want us using it to invest into a business I own today. That would defeat the premise, right? And it, it, mm. it would... It would um, it goes against the, the tax advantage growth that, that, that these IRA accounts offer. So, yeah, rules are pretty simple. I mean, no life insurance, no collectibles, no using the money for your personal gain. Um, that said, you can do just about anything else that you can imagine. Uh, real estate, private loans and private equity are kind of the three most common asset classes. But we have clients that do tax liens, tax certificates. Uh, we have clients that invest in cryptocurrency and digital assets or clients that own precious metals. Uh, you name it, you can probably do it in an IRA. So, you know, when you say personal gain, in the end, the, uh, the retirement is a, a form of personal gain. When you say personal gain, do you mean like immediate, like you mentioned, investing in your direct business? Like it's, uh, can you clarify yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, exactly like you said. And and that is certainly any time the account grows, there's some personal gain but you don't actually get that benefit until you withdraw the money in your retirement years. The gain is all put back in the IRA. Personal gain would be exactly what you you mentioned. It would be taking your IRA, investing it into your business, and now your business is personally benefiting from that infusion of capital. That's what's prohibited, not the act of writing a loan out of an IRA. You can Your IRA can write a loan to my business. You just can't write the loan to your own business because it's not the loan that's prohibited. It's your personal benefit of that money that they don't want. Sure. So let's uh, talk about your company and how how that relationship works. Like, uh, uh, if if somebody is looking to set up a self directed IRA, 
you know, I've, I've actually asked some, some local financial advisors. And when I, when I brought up self-directed IRAs, I, I, more times than not, and sadly, I get kind of blank stares. They don't, half the time, they don't know what I'm talking about. Like, what type of questions should somebody be asking to make sure it's a good fit? Like, because that's a pretty, pretty direct and relationship there. Yeah, I mean, anytime someone's holding your money, um, there's lots of questions that should be asked. So let me start with kind of the role that we provide. So we serve a very similar role to a Charles Schwab or a Fidelity from a custodian standpoint, meaning we hold the IRA, we take direction from the customer, we hold the assets in the account, and we report to the IRS every year. And that's Mm -hmm. really exactly what Charles Schwab is doing too. What's different about us is we do it in a non-advisory environment. So you've got to make your own investments. And number two, we don't have any restrictions on the asset classes like Schwab does that will custody. So we're a very important piece of the puzzle because you can't do this without a custodian. So you have to have someone that houses your IRA and handles the reporting, et cetera. Some of the questions that should be asked, I mean, some of the basic ones are, how long have they been been in business? What's their their financial strength? Um, how many assets or clients you know do they hold in terms of number of clients or dollar value? Um, how are they regulated? Right, like Newview is a South Dakota chartered public trust company. Um, we are regulated by the South Dakota Division of Banking, and we are um, all of our audits and everything is all performed by them. Uh, we have to have capital with the state that's pledged to the state, so we have money that just sits in in. Um, you know, in in cash under uh, a pledge to the division, and and that's referred to as capital adequacy, uh, and that's reviewed every audit that we have with the division, and they change that capital adequacy to reflect our our, our current client structure. So, um, not everyone in this business has that same level of regulatory oversight. So that's something that we encourage people to ask is. You know, people can be in this business and then they can rent services of a trust company. We are the trust company. So you're getting your services directly from the, the, the regulated entity. Um, so all of those questions are good. And then beyond that, you know, what's the service offering? Um, everybody serves customers a little bit different. Um, you know, how much technology is important to you? And, and if it's important to you, then make sure your custodian is offering that. Uh, hours of operation, you know, ease of processing, reviews. I mean, there's lots of ways uh, that, that you could evaluate a company, um, you know, beyond just how much money do you hold and how long have you been in business and how are you regulated to? Are you going to serve me the way I want to be served? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, that relationship and having that technology in place. Could you talk about how, maybe even walk us through the process? Like, Let's say I open up a self-directed IRA and uh, I needed the money for an investment. Like, how does, how does that work? Do I get to just have a check blank and I can write a, write a check for it right out of the account? Or do I have, is there a, another process? How does that look? Well, I'll keep this kind of at 20 or 30,000 feet just for the sake of time. Um, but there's really a couple ways that you can structure your self-directed account. The most common way is is it's directed through the custodian. So you found a piece of real estate that you want to buy. You would notify Newview as your custodian of that purchase intent. So we have a form that you can complete. Uh, You can do it all electronically so you don't have to take pen to paper if you don't want to. 
Um, but you would fill out what we call a purchase authorization form. So you would say, dear Newview, right? Fill in the boxes. I want to buy one, two, three Main Street for 50,000 bucks. Here's the title company and escrow agent. Here's the realtor, et cetera. We would, and here's the contract, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. you've already gone out and negotiated it. And then we would turn around, we'd sign the contract, we'd send the escrow money, uh, and then we'd work with the title company to get it closed. All of that is, is part of the process. And there's a natural um, part of that process that involves you and involves us. So we all work hand in hand to get it closed. Um, the other way that you can, can structure this is to actually set up some sort of LLC that you personally manage on behalf of your IRA. So in this case, you would direct the custodian to fund the money into the LLC. So instead of buying the property, you'd send your entire IRA balance to the LLC. And then you would, as the manager of that LLC, you would be the one that goes and buys the property. So you don't have to go through Newview for the individual property purchase. Uh, It adds a little step. It adds some responsibility. And uh, you may pick up some LLC fees and other things that, that you would normally not have to pay. But it'll give you the mo- it'll give you that kind of blank check reference that you made in terms of being able to control it. Um, either way is fine for us. It, it really is personal preference. Generally, um, unless somebody is going to be owning more than one or two properties, you know, or is buying investments that are very time sensitive, the LLC doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. But if you are going to go buy two or three properties in a year, you are going to be moving quickly. Then that LLC model can become very attractive for you. Sure. So. Um- can we also chat a little bit about like the different IRA retirement plans that might be available? You know, a Roth IRA, for example, is a, is a topic or a hot, you know, that's, that's almost a preferred or default method these days. Like, are there ways to enable the self-directed IRA with the, with the same functionality, if you will? Yeah, that's one of my favorite questions, because one of the things that we tend to, you know, we we get so caught up from an investment standpoint, you know, everybody's like, how do I how do I do real estate? How do I issue a loan? And, and sometimes it's best to step back and say, are you are you in the right IRA or IRAs, plural? Um, you know, so many people have what they've had. Right. You know, I've, I've said to, to people, what kind of IRA do you have? And they're like, I don't know. You know, and that tells me, gosh, you know, this client doesn't even know. If, if they've already committed to pay the tax or if they're getting a tax benefit or, you know, it, the, the process should involve really understanding what IRA that you want. So I kind of use the analogy of your, your IRA is the vehicle, right? It's like car shopping. You don't just go to the parked car lot and figure out which, you know, what's the one vehicle that, that you see and you don't buy it just because it's the same car, right? You evaluate them, what's the difference, et cetera. The, the difference between the plans, really the predominant one is how much money you can put in. And that 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 tends to, to vary based on how you earn your money. The second question is, is do you want to pay the tax up front or do you want to pay the tax at the end, right? Tax on the mm-hmm. seed or tax on the crop. So most accounts with the exception of the Roth are all paid at the end. So it's deferred. So you get tax benefits to put it in and you pay at the end. Uh, the Roth, which is by default really the best account, right? As a general mm-hmm. premise, you pay the tax up front, which may seem like it's costing you more, but then all of your growth is tax-free. Uh, and that's just a great way to go. There are some exceptions and, and you've got to look at your own personal situation. The third thing is, is what are you saving the money for? We, we think of IRAs as simply a retirement tool and that's very true, but there's also a health savings account, which is a tool to use tax beneficial uh, or tax advantage money to pay for your, your health, your health um, 
costs. And then there's an ESA, which is an educational savings account. That's that's a tax advantage way to pay for educational expenses. So, hmm. you know, you can have multiple accounts and, uh, and it's important that you look at having as many of those as you can. In my opinion, it's very simple. Have as many tax advantaged accounts as you can and put as much money into them as you can, because there's no more efficient way to build wealth than through tax benefits. The investment side is really less important from a standpoint of, of what decision gets made first. Investing is important, but it's not nearly as important as the vehicle that you choose to invest through. So you, you brought up a couple things that kind of blew my mind there for just a second. Um, you're the first person to mention the health savings account and the education savings account. Like uh, HSA, that's with the growing costs of healthcare, we're all kind of doing our best to try to accommodate and make sure we have the money for that. When you leverage the HSA and you're you're applying these funds and and investing for your HSA, you mentioned earlier we can't use that for self benefit. But is that kind of an an exception to the rule in a little ways because you're kind of using that the proceeds there to to pay your medical bills, aren't you? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So so when you let, let's start with an IRA. So. Really, the, the money in an IRA accumulates tax advantage, right? Tax-free or tax-deferred, depending on what type of account you chose. And, and you become eligible to take it out at retirement, 59 and a half without penalty. You can use the money for whatever you want, right? The rules say mm-hmm. you've got to hold it till retirement. That's the deal. With an HSA, there is no time horizon. The, the deal that you make is you won't take it out for personal use or you'll pay a tax and penalty but you can take it out anytime so long as it's for a qualifying medical expense. So they don't view that as personal benefit. Same thing with the ESA. When you withdraw money out of your ESA, there's no time constraint so long as it's being used for qualifying educational expense. So these accounts have different purposes and the timing of your distributions is based on what you're using the money for. Uh, So only an IRA has a time constraint of 59 and a half. HSAs and ESAs aren't time contingent. They're based, they're actually use of fund contingent. So at any Mm -hmm. point you can withdraw out of an HSA to pay for qualifying medical expenses, 100% tax-free. And then same thing with an ESA. You can withdraw at any time to pay for qualifying educational expenses, 100% tax-free. Sure. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. That's, that's a new piece of information. I think we we've all have, have missed. So, you know, with let's say we're talking about investing in real estate. One of the one of the benefits um, is the tax benefits of holding real estate is the depreciation schedule. For example, does though does that type of benefit then impact or directly benefit? How does that still benefit me, or does it is that reserved tax purposes for the the IRA? And am I even making a making sense there when I'm asking here? Yeah, you, you sure are. And and one of the big benefits of owning real estate is there are lots of tax benefits and, and certainly depreciation is one of those. But but keep in mind that that depreciation is a discount. It's a discount against other tax liabilities you may have incurred. In an IRA, you lose depreciation. And and while that sounds like a bad thing, you lose it because you don't have any tax to offset it against. It's a better trade-off. So mm-hmm. depreciation is great because you have tax liability. But if you could choose 
depreciation or no tax, you choose no tax every day of the week. So you're not losing depreciation. You just don't need it any longer. Um, but that said, you know, we do believe in, in true wealth building is, is really looking at your, your different ways to buy a property, determining where it fits best. So I kind of refer to this as where you want to get to in your wealth building you know, journey is where you have retirement accounts. Maybe it is a, a Roth and, and an HSA and an ESA, but you also have investable funds outside the account. And the real beauty is actually looking at the investment first, validating it's a good deal, and then determining from a tax standpoint, what vehicle does it belong in? So I'll give you an example. If I had an investment that I was going to make into uh, a single family piece of real estate, right? And this thing was, going it was a probate property, a divorce property. It was incredibly distressed. It was in a great neighborhood. Man, I knew this thing was going to be very short term and I was going to make a quick bit of money on it. Well, I wouldn't want to own it in my personal name because depreciation doesn't matter if I sell it inside of a year, right? So mm -hmm. I've got this big liability. Well, that, that fits so nicely in a Roth because if I buy it for 100 and sell it for two in eight months, it's 100% tax-free. No matter how many tax schemes you use outside the IRA, you're never going to wash away $100,000 of short-term capital gain. You're going to pay some tax on that. So in an IRA, I pay none. But if I'm looking at another investment, and let's just say I'm going to be a passive investor into a multifamily syndication, right? Um, I'm going to invest into an apartment complex with a bunch of other investors. Well, if that fund is using bonus depreciation, right, where they're accelerating it all into year one, and I'm going to put in 50 grand and get like $40,000 worth of, of write-off, well, why would I put that in my IRA? right? Because mm -hmm. I'll carry those losses forward for years to come. So that deal probably goes better in my personal name because it's got a huge tax incentive associated with it that I would forego if I did it in my IRA. So when we talk about these deals, really success is not being a great investor. Success is evaluating each investment on their own and then deciding which vehicle is best, personal, IRA, HSA, ESA, whatever other entities or structures exist, and then plucking them into the right one. Sure. So, you know, um, this is a, something that I'm going to put you on the spot here. The, is this the type of thing you just talked about there? Is New View and yourself, you're, are you comfortable giving that level of advice when, when somebody comes to you and says, okay, I'm, this is the investment I want to make. Are, are you comfortable telling them, you know, we can put it in there, but you would probably benefit better by this option or that option. Or Yeah. So we, we do not provide any advice that that's our business okay. and it's our legal obligation as a self-directed custodian is we are 100% non-fiduciary, non-discretion. So that means all investment decisions are up to you. Um, you know, we're, we're happy to have discussions about things to consider so if you were to ask me that, my, my comment back would be, well, Jack, first of all, I don't give investment advice, but I can tell you this, you know, mm -hmm. in an IRA, you forego depreciation. So if there's heavy depreciation on this asset, right, it starts to look less attractive in an IRA. Whether you do it or not and what you do with that information is up to you. Um, we're strong believers in, in, in the team approach. Um, you know, there's no, we can't be custodian, attorney, advisor, accountant, right? Mm. And if we were, we wouldn't be good at all those roles. So, 
you know, we encourage clients to go seek the professional guidance they need based on the transaction they're trying to complete. Some are very simple and straightforward and they don't require a lot of moving parts. You're going to buy one property. The money's in your IRA. You don't want to own it personally. It doesn't really matter from a tax standpoint. It's a flip of the coin, right? You're really not doing this for any reason other than you just don't want to be in the stock market in 2020, right? You'd rather own a rental property. When those decisions are already made, then really you don't need all this extra stuff. Where that sort of extra tax and legal guidance can come into play is as the complexities of your investment get more grand or you start having more disposable money to invest and you've got to now start being a little more strategic. In any case, it's worth the money to make that investment to seek the professional guidance. You know, as, uh, as they say, if you can't afford the attorney, you can't afford the deal, right? Mm. So there's some, some truth in that, although I, I think we all would agree not every transaction requires a, a full-blown legal opinion um, but when it does, it's worth the money to do it for sure. Sure. No, I appreciate you being th- that open about it. I mean, I, I I understand exactly what you're saying, but I think you you nailed exactly what I was looking for um, because you were at, at least open to talking about situations in an abstract form versus uh, fending fending for yourself to a certain level. I mean, you know, give give me some historical background at least, you know. Sure. So with that, I, you know, I've, I've consumed quite a bit of your time here tonight, but I, I wanted to call out a couple things. So again, if they want to talk to you, uh, Jason, they are going to definitely find you through New View Trust website, new, yep. newview.trust.com. Um, are there any other preferred methods to get a hold of you or somebody on your team? Well, we always recommend the website. I mean, all of our contact info is there. You can chat, you can, uh, you know, call in. I mean, there's all kinds of options available. Um, the reason that we, you know, really like to, to kick people to the website is not because we don't want to interact with you. Um, we actually find that if you go on the website and do a little digging and, and take on some with so much educational content, that's all free, uh, that, that we prefer to have the discussion that's a little bit more pointed. Um, it's mm-hmm. just a lot deeper of a conversation. So um, but that said, if you have questions and, and, and you need answers and you don't know where to go look, pick up the phone and give us a call and, and we're happy to help. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And you actually have something kind of fun coming up. Let's chat a little bit about the happy hunger. No, that's the wrong thing I wrote down. <laughs> Charity cooking class, October 29th. Yeah, we, we have a, uh, a charity, a 501c3 called Chair the Love. Uh, that's a mobility-based um, organization, and so it provides wheelchairs and mobility uh, to those in need throughout the world. We we just uh, uh, gave the county in which we we live in uh, 85 wheelchairs for all their local schools, uh, so that that nobody in a school will you know based on some budget cuts uh, is going to have to do without. So if somebody has a a short-term need, right? Maybe they've broken a leg or things that, that they can't get coverage for. Um, we've provided wheelchairs to every school in the county uh, to uh, to solve that problem. Uh, but we distribute wheelchairs throughout the world. Uh, and in order to do so, like any other you know charitable organization, we have to raise money. Um, we normally host an annual gala in November every year. Uh, given COVID, we've moved to a virtual uh, event, but we took a little bit of a different spin. It's a virtual cooking class. So we've got a a, uh, an award-winning chef uh, that's going to uh, to be joining us and, and walking through 
uh, a couple of fantastic um, you know dishes and uh, and showing everyone how to do it. And you'll be you know on the the Zoom call from home with your iPad in your kitchen and following right along. And so it's uh, it's a great event. All the money, 100% of the proceeds go to share the love and and uh, in turn go to helping those in need with mobility related uh, you know services throughout the world. So if if they want to sign up for that event, where would they go? Is it sharethelove.org or? Yep, sharethelove.org is is the charity's um, website. Uh, we also have a specific uh, event website called cuisineforthecause.com, uh, and but they can get there through sharethelove.org as well. So, well, I appreciate your time. And uh, again, I, I hope we can chat about this again sometime. You've really brought up some interesting things. I wanted to uh, cover a, a couple of those. Um, the HSA and the ESA, those are, those are new strategies that I hadn't heard before. And uh, it's really important that uh, we understand that there are a variety of investment office options, especially the Roth IRA and a traditional IRA. And that's where New View Trust can really help everybody out to understand those investment options. Um, and, uh, I really liked the, the questions that you brought up regarding making sure that your custodian, uh, matches what you, what you need. I'm, I'm a techie guy. I would want any kind of like an online portal or some online tools that I can access and, and quickly check a few things. So, uh, those, those tips and tricks are really helpful today. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and if uh, you you need anything else, let me. If you need anything, I'm always here to help you, and uh, I, I definitely get that impression from you. So that's, I, I really advise everybody to check out Jason DeBono at NewViewTrust.com. We've put a lot of effort into providing useful content, and if you found value in the show and have any interest in supporting us with a small donation, head over to patreon.com slash housedudes. And if you have any thoughts or questions, shoot us an email at info at housedudes.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at housedudes. And if you like what you're hearing, head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It really helps other investors out there find the show. And remember... Massive positive impact requires massive positive action. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by housedudes.com. Do you have time to actively manage flipping and rentals yourself? If so, go for it. If you live in a market that won't cash flow or don't have the time to do all the work, are you just out of luck? If there was a way to participate more passively, would that appeal to you? I'm sure you have questions about how the process works and what to do next. If that's the case, fill out the form on housedudes.com slash investors, and we'll reach out to see if you are a good fit for our business. This is First Come, First Serve, and we will have to stop taking applications when our goals are met. See you at housedudes.com slash investors. I don't like to tell a man what to do with his money, but if you ain't investing in property, then you're dumber than a dummy. I'm not dumb. I'm smart. Well, buy property. That's my advice.